to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good afternoon and welcome into the podcast. I am Jay, as the man said. It is December the 5th, and today is a Monday, which of course means that there's four more days to go until it's the weekend where people generally have fun. It's been a minute. Um, I do want to say uh, I am very close to launching the N10 uh, Firefighter podcast. I have all the artwork. I have everything done. All I need to do now is start recording podcasts. I'm hopefully going to have uh, the first N10 podcast out uh, by uh, the second week, end of the second week of December. I'll keep you up to date with that. Um, also, this podcast, um, do one today. I'm going to do another one tomorrow as well. You want to listen in for that one. I want to. Today's going to be a cautionary tale in many different ways. Um, if you've listened to this podcast or the old Firefighter Hourly or the old Venting the Roof podcast that I used to do, you'll know that I have a real hard time with leaders who uh, believe that they are above it all. The people who are, are very cocky, uh, they punish their people but rarely receive punishment themselves. You have to punish people when things go bad, but you also have to ask yourself, why am I having to punish people? That's the question that sometimes doesn't get uh, asked or answered. And I think there's some cautionary tales that are fixing to come out. One's already out, certainly, and, and that this, uh, those comments have nothing to do with, uh, with the story I'm fixing to talk about. But it is a tale for a fire chief and just how responsible you are, no matter where you are when something happens. Baltimore Fire Chief Niles Ford. And I know a lot of guys in Baltimore, uh, just a great bunch of people there. Um, they have dealt with uh, pretty poor leadership for some time. Uh, it's been a long, long time, actually. And uh, at any rate, uh, we all know the line of duty death uh, where the three firefighters died. And a report came out, and uh, the fire chief decided to resign. Um, we... Tend, I, I don't know specifically about this particular uh, instance, but we all know that typically when something comes out and someone resigns, that uh, more often than not, they, they've read the room correctly and they need to get out uh, before uh, they're thrown out. I'm not sure that's what's going on in Baltimore. Don't want to, uh, to even uh, begin to, to think that's what it is, but in general... We see a lot of that. Um, the bottom line is three people died. Um, of course, a fault will be found. Um, you can have a one in a million thing happen, and, and there are going to be people out there going to fall in fault with everything you do. Um, in this case, the report um, is I, I've glanced through it. I've not done a deep read on it. I would like to do a podcast just on the report. And so I'm going to try to do that uh, over the course of, of the next couple of weeks. And we'll get more into that. But Niles Ford is out as the fire chief. 
Um, and frankly, it's probably a good thing. Um, it is um, certainly something that we, if, if you follow the fire service at all, if you know about the political issues all over, you're not terribly surprised by this. And uh, um, we wish Baltimore well in finding a replacement and looking for the qualities that are needed, not political qualities, not to make hay of something, but in order to get somebody in there who uh, has the respect of the rank and file and will advocate for firefighters at each and every turn. That is the job right there. Again, we'll talk about the line of duty death report in the near future. I want to shift gears a little bit. Another cautionary tale, cold weather. Um, every year we spend time telling people, get ready for cold weather. You know, make sure that you're aware of uh, the limitations and dangers of, of, uh, of alternative heating, things of that nature. Make sure that, you know, you are uh, keeping your house warm, but you are also practicing good fire safety discipline. Well, we need to do the same thing in cold weather fire operations. Um, as a fire department, you need to do that. The time to start thinking about getting warm beverages to people isn't after you've had a fire, or in the midst of a fire, I should say, and look around and go, gosh, I wonder how we're going to warm these folks up. Wrong time to do it. It's the wrong time to do most things, to be blunt. If this isn't planned in advance in some way, shape, or form, then your department is probably going to fail you and its citizens. Um, some places have uh, rehab sparks, whatever you want to call them, a bunch of different names for them. Uh, but whatever they're called, they can typically come out, keep people hydrated. That's a positive thing. Um, if you don't have that, then it's still your responsibility to take care of the people around you. Whether it's uh, a chief bringing something out, a, a captain, whomever. You need to have a place for firefighters to, to get something to drink, um, especially as in, in areas of the country where it is absolutely brutally cold. Um, it is, you know, firefighting is a tough job. Firefighting in warm and moderate weather is a tough job. Firefighting in, in extreme cold, it's just a different animal. Um, a lot of people fail to hydrate in the winter. They, and I'm talking firefighters. They will hydrate in the summer because to them it just makes sense. I'm going to drink a lot of water because it's hot outside. Good idea. You still need to hydrate in the winter. Um, probably the worst I felt, I got dehydrated at a fire in winter. And uh, it was horrible because I was cramping up, obviously dehydrated, and freezing. Back then, we didn't have anybody to bring anything out. Um, that's the way it was then. You typically, if depending on where you were, you had some people, some neighbors who would bring something out, but you couldn't always count on that. I recall my brother and them being at a fire. This was when I was young, and uh, it was it was cold, and a gentleman brought out some some cups for them, some coffee. And they're swigging it down, and, and they're like, wow, this is really good. He had put bourbon in it. You know why? Because they were cold, and I don't blame them for drinking it. Uh, you can't do that now, unfortunately, but 
But it is incumbent upon a, uh, upon a department, a leader, to make sure that their firefighters are, are taken care of. That's the bottom line. You know, in cold weather fires, too, we're also dealing with uh, now, especially in urban areas, people in makeshift areas. You know, we if you are living near a major population center, um, you drive around, you're going to see people living up under overpasses. You're going to see people who voluntarily uh, move into places to, to protest. And so they will make themselves at home. They will put together ramshackled things. And uh, then they will wonder why the fire department didn't get to their box in between the, the headstones at a particular graveyard. Uh, look, there's no address there. Um, the bottom line is, though, the fire department has to deal with it, too. And it's a good idea. It's a good idea where you know these, uh, these makeshift camps are to at least go and just scout them out real quick. Not saying do a detailed pre-plan because things change with those. They, they do. But you need to know where they are in the city and as much as you can. Because if somebody gives you a, a street address and it's half a block away from that, well, maybe what they're talking about is, is a homeless encampment or a voluntary, which always cracks me up, these voluntary protesters who then want to live outside uh, protesting something, usually the climate or, or bad decisions. Um, they'll, they'll be out there and uh, they expect to receive the same services they receive in their million dollar homes where they live with mom and dad. That's not always possible. So it, it is incumbent upon the fire department to know where those places are. We, we talk about alternative heating. Um, let's not forget that that can take many forms. Uh, there are people out there who will, uh, and look, in cold weather, people will do whatever they have to do to survive. There are people who will rig together uh, what most electricians would tell you cannot work. It is impossible, and yet it works. That is something to be cautionary about. Um, it's something to, to think about in cold weather. Uh, it's not something to think about in all weather, but especially in cold weather where people are, are willing to take chances. I'll give you a, a tale. Uh, I was uh, in an engine company and we got called out for some uh, railroad ties on fire. And it was behind a popular grocery store in our, in, in that particular, in our battalion, you know, popular grocery store there. And uh, we pull up, sure enough, there's a bunch of railroad ties burning. They're stacked up. Um, we pull a line, start extinguishing it. We see a foot. We go around, we grab the guy, we pull him out from underneath. He's suffering from, believe it or not, some smoke inhalation. I wonder how that happened. Um, and, and he's got some burns on him. Not horrible, though. Come to find out, uh, this gentleman was cold. And he decided to uh, take these railroad ties and make himself basically an igloo. And he then set it on fire and crawled inside. He went to sleep. Uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, and here's the thing too. These were creosote-soaked railroad ties, creosote all over them. Um, it, bad decisions happen, they do. Um, bad decisions in search of warmth or food are often understandable. Uh, 
I'm not saying that, that they should be celebrated, but I'm less critical when somebody's just trying to get warm. However, he did himself no favors. Um, he suffered from some respiratory issues, obviously some burns. I think the important thing we have to remember is that our decision-making is not the same as, as that of people who are desperate. Desperate people will do whatever they need to do to get warm. It is a fact of life. And uh, firefighters in urban areas see it, and firefighters in very rural areas. I've heard some stories from people who live out in rural areas about uh, some interesting ways in which people will, will try to stay warm. For example, um, I recall my friend telling me one time that uh, out, on, out near uh, the farm in which he lived, um, this was in uh, Montana, um, he, they got a call. It was right down from his house, and it was a couple. And the barn was on fire, and this couple was standing out front, and he knew that that wasn't that there was not the people on the barn. Anyway, it came to at the end of the fire, they were questioning these people, and these people were cold. They had been walking, um, trying to get out of Montana, I guess. And they went in and uh, they set a fire at a barn to keep warm. You know, they went inside, they went up into the hayloft, and uh, the woman walked over and set a small fire, she said, um, in a hayloft, which grew into a big fire, uh, which grew into a bigger fire, and which destroyed the barn. The bottom line is, uh, we have to expect people to make irrational decisions. Doesn't mean that we like them, doesn't mean we support their irrational decisions, but we should have some understanding of that. Um, I recall a story uh, a firefighter in the Northeast told me that uh, they had had a fire. They'd been out there all night, and uh, a six-alarm fire. They had been out there all night. He was freezing, told to take a break. Um, there was nowhere. It was an industrial area. It was nowhere to get warm. And uh, so there was a vacant building down the block. He and a couple of guys set a small fire just to stand around. And uh, then they got called back to the scene. Nobody put it out. It ended up burning for a little bit. No harm, no foul there, uh, but it certainly could have been. Again, when people are cold, they will search for a way to get warm. I was asked an interesting question as part of a, a small group of people who were asked to rank their top four apparatus manufacturers. So I'll rank mine, and I'll even throw in a fifth. Uh, number one, Pierce, uh, great apparatus as long as you take care of them. Um, E1 is two, Seagrave is three, and Rosenbauer is four. Uh, they're growing. Um, they're growing. They really are. And uh, if I had to throw in a fifth, Suffin. Uh, I, know, I know some people who had a bad experience with Suffin. Um, and, uh, but you know, you can't take one department's take on things and run with it. It's like saying, yeah, you know, we, we haven't had great service from our blankety blank fire truck. Well, there could be a reason for that. Um, I don't think you, you immediately say, nope, I'll never buy those trucks again. Um, 
that's just the way it goes to me. And, and there are other manufacturers as well. If I'm going for a brush truck, I'm going to put Skeeter up at the top out of Texas. Great company, nice little brush trucks. And there are other companies that make good apparatus. I'm not saying they don't. But right now, um, my top four would be Pierce, E1C, Grave, and Rosenbauer. And then to me, there's a bit of a drop-off there. If we're talking about major manufacturers of apparatus, there's a drop-off after that. I would also add Suffin in there, too. Um, that's kind of my take on things. It's interesting. Uh, I know two of the other people who were asked, I was um, texting with them, and all four of us had, or excuse me, two of us had the same top four. Um, one had almost the same top four, but all of us, picked Pierce number one, which is uh, not a surprise, I think, uh, when you uh, when you look at what's going on in, in fire apparatus. Uh, one of my favorite departments is Elizabeth, New Jersey. Love it. Great department, great people, uh, activity. Um, man, that, it's just an awesome little department. I believe they just ordered uh, seven new rigs from, from Pierce. Uh, they'll be happy with them, I'm sure. Um, uh, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get somebody on from Elizabeth to talk about it on the podcast to maybe talk about their purchase. I I like that decision by them. Finally today, I want to talk about bad decisions uh, with respect to fraud, lies, covering up, all those sorts of things. I think that there are departments that are going to get a rude awakening soon. Um, you know, I think bad decisions eventually lead to termination. I also think bad decisions can lead to prosecution. Um, I, I hate it when, I, when that happens because it's a, it's a dark mark on the fire service, even if it has nothing to do with the fire service. It typically has something to do with either greedy people or people that just don't care about other people. Um, but I believe that, that it, it will lead to terminations. I do. At a minimum. Fraud is bad. It, it just is. Um, it's the public trust, and uh, there are far too many um, leaders who think that it won't happen to them. Let me tell you something. It will, and it does. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen because some people don't take advice well. Leaders, you know? They're like, nope, I'm going to keep doing the same thing I did before and expect different results. You get the same results. You will. Because it's what happens. If you are defrauding your city, your county, the state the feds, um, man, you better hope you're really lucky. Really lucky. Because here's what typically happens. These things build up. It's never one thing. It's one thing that leads to another thing that leads to another. I've seen this before. So have you, if you think back. You probably have seen it too. And it's where something very small, basically insignificant or a person that's looked at as insignificant who decides yeah i've had enough you know what i'm gonna do 
I'm going to open my mouth. But I'm going to open my mouth to people whose job it is to run down these sorts of things, run down fraud, run down these lies. Uh, um, and, you know, one of the other things, too, and uh, gosh, this is basic military discipline. Uh, I learned this young. Uh, most of us did. We learned it from our parents um, or we learned it in the military or somewhere else. If you're covering up something, that's not leadership. It just isn't. It's also not being one of the boys. Here's the thing. It will lead you into a situation that soap and water won't take off. And I know all of us try at times when we hear things that are about to happen to somebody or we hear rumblings, we try to quiet those things down, don't we? I mean, we do. Um, Nobody wants to see it. You know, you don't like watching it. It's a train wreck. But then after a while, when nobody heeds any advice, well, then you have to sit back and watch the train wreck happen. And it's always going to be ugly. There's no good train wreck. There never is. There's no good airplane crash. Things don't look better after. They just don't because it's called a wreck for a reason. And typically, when you get these, bad, these, these things that happen, the people who made those bad decisions were allowed to make those bad decisions. It's never the first decision. It's usually the 10th, the 50th, the 100th, the 150th. That's the key, see? That's where you have poor leadership, is when a person or an organization or a branch of the city or whatever, county, state, whatever, they continually make bad decisions. Nobody in, in control checks them on it. I have a theory about that. Actually, it's not my theory, but I'm going to repeat it as if it was. It's a very old theory. Poor leaders allow poor decision-making by poor followers. It's the way it is. It, it's what happens. It is rare that you will see an instance of, of a horrible thing or terrible thing happen in a fire department and it not be the result of someone being allowed to do it, even when, especially when it's well known. Again, you know, if you're sitting at a baseball game and the pitcher keeps hitting you in the head in the stands, maybe it's time to move your seat. Because if you sit in that same spot and get hit again, Pretty soon, people are going to go, that's an idiot. It's bad that he got hit. Horrible. Let's, most people want to build a fence, build a 200-mile wall or whatever, or 200-foot wall, whatever you want to do to stop the pitch from hitting you. Here's something else you can do. Move. Move to another seat. If you're sitting in the same spot and the same thing's happening, my friend, then it's on you. And when leaders watch those types of people get away with murder, Maybe not murder, but you know what I mean? Then pretty soon it's the leaders that have to go. Not the person who's doing the bad thing. Person or persons. Pretty soon, the leaders got to go too. And I can tell you this. Most politicians are willing to let people go when they keep doing this. No matter how much they tell these so-called leaders, nah, we got your back 100%. And, you know... Two minutes later, what's your name again? Right, right. I could tell you your name. Gone. Yeah. First name long, 
second name, gone. You're out of here. I talk to enough politicians, and I try. when I talk to a politician, I don't ever want that politician to think for even a moment that they've got anything on me as far as, you know, well, I'm telling you, so I need to learn something. No, I never talk about anything with a politician except reflect back to them maybe what I'm thinking about their ideas. But I do talk to quite a few. Um, and I have yet to meet one who wasn't willing to make a move if their city, county, or whatever agency wasn't about to be put under the thumb. Never met one who said, you know what? Nope, I'm sticking with my guy. Nope, I can promise you no, they're not going to do it. And I've known some doozies. As some of my friends have known the same people. We've known some that there was never going to be anything happen until they were put in the crossfire. And then it's like, what, what was that person's name again? Yeah, exactly. That's the way it works. So, bad decisions come from bad people, and they're allowed by bad leaders. And the best decision, whoosh, wipe it out. Just a thought, whether your agency has one station or 100 or 200, doesn't matter. Um, you know, I tend to believe, and I, I really believe this, overwhelming majority of the fire service is populated by great people. There may be some issues here and there. That's to be expected. But if you get into things that are criminal in nature, that are overtly criminal, that are overtly piss poor, then, yeah, things need to happen. When it's fraud, when it's covering up stuff, when it involves money, when it involves anything like that, my friends, it's going to happen. It is. And you know what? Tough. It's the way it goes, I guess. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.